This is Limitless Spirit, a practical, inspirational, and thought-provoking weekly podcast about the impact of faith and Christian identity in today's world. And now here's your host, champion of Jesus and people who love Him, world traveler and co-founder of World Missions Alliance, Helen Todd. Welcome to episode 14 of the Limitless Spirit podcast. Today we continue the conversation with Dr. Jen Thomas on how to apologize in a way that mends broken relationships and brings emotional healing to all parties involved. My guest, Dr. Jennifer Thomas, is a psychologist with a doctorate in clinical psychology from the University of Maryland. She's also a best-selling author, TED Talk speaker, and a leadership consultant. Dr. Jen enjoys teaching what to say when challenging conversations arise. Together with Gary Chapman, the author of the Relationship Bible, Five Languages of Love, she co-authored the book, When Sorry Isn't Enough. So Dr. Jen and Dr. Chapman conducted a groundbreaking study of how we give and receive apologies. They interviewed over 45,000 people to find out what do people want to hear in an apology. In the previous episode, we did the overview of these five languages of apology and discussed the test available on her website. So you can check the previous episode and the show notes for the link to discover what is your apology language. She analyzed the results of my test, and initially I wasn't entirely sure about the results, but the more I thought about it, the more I had to agree that it was exactly my apology language. But just knowing your apology language is not enough. Today, we will talk more about the practical application of this knowledge. I wanted to know how to craft the apology in a way that is meaningful to the person you have hurt. What is a better way to apologize, saying I'm sorry or I was wrong? And what to do if you have apologized, but the person is still upset with you? And how does apology language work in a work environment? So what do you think is better to say I'm sorry or I was wrong? Well, what... Your listeners might have said an answer to that before this podcast is, well, they would pick one or the other. But my hope is that after having listened to me, that they would realize, well, actually what Jennifer is talking about is that the answer depends on the recipient. Just as with the five love languages where we want to match up our love, the ways we're showing love or our love language with what the recipient wants. It's the same thing in this case. So for 40% of the people saying, I'm sorry is best. And we found for another 40% of the people saying I was wrong is best. So if you use both, there's an 80% chance that your sincerity will show through. So it's interesting though, the numbers seem like it's about half and half. And I'm, I'm just trying to look at these two words. When you say, I'm sorry, you affirm your compassion. So you're talking more about yourself. And when you say you're wrong, you're talking more about hurting the other person? That can be true, depending on the exact words that are used. Another way that I, I distinguish between the two is I think of I'm sorry as focusing on the heart and the feelings. And I think of I was wrong as focusing on the head in terms of more black and white, my actions were unacceptable. I think 
there's no excuse for what I did. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to plead guilty. I'm not going to make any excuses for myself. I absolutely should not have done that. Well, and it's very true what you say. If you truly want to make amends and you want to restore relationship, it is probably best to say both. Right. And appeal both to the head and the heart of a person that you're trying to beg for apology. So I heard that you mentioned um, in an interview, in another interview that you gave, that you and Dr. Chapman interviewed 45,000 people. Is that correct? Well, what we've done is we've taken their, the people we interviewed, we found their answers fell into the five categories, and then we created that apology language profile that you took. And that is actually what 45,000 people have taken. So we have their responses, and I analyzed them and was looking for, well, are these five apology languages equally important? Or are there some that really stand out? And so what we found is that the first two that we've covered today, expressing regret and accepting responsibility, were most important to 80% of the people. But the remaining three were kind of diverse in their importance. We found that making restitution or or amends, which was your first, is first for about 10% of the people. And then genuinely repenting is first for between 7 and 10% of people. And finally, that request for forgiveness is first for only 3% of people. And I gave a TED Talk on this. And what I did was I gave an example from this apology language because I think it's so important because I think this is where a lot of misunderstandings can happen that I may say I'm sorry and I was wrong. But if that person grew up in a home where they were expected to add, and will you please forgive me, they may go through life feeling like people don't give very good apologies. And really what it is, is just that most people didn't have that in their script like they do. And so if you are in a relationship with someone who asks for your forgiveness or who has that as their primary apology language, I want to encourage the people who are listening to be sure to use that in your apology to that person. So in a relationship, in marriage, because I think this is the closest relationship we have with another individual, it's probably very important for both parties to identify that language. That's right. We think it's critical, just as you know their love language, to know what their apology language is. And we call these two together the two essentials for healthy relationships. And certainly... Marriage is important. You can use this also with children and with friends. And currently, I'm working on some research for applying this more to the workplace. We're already going into companies and helping them to lay out the apology language for each team member. And I have them post that in a common area and also have a file where they can find it so that when they need to apologize to a colleague, they know which one not to leave out of that apology so that, again, their sincerity will come across. So you recommend using, especially if you don't, we don't always have the luxury of knowing other person's apology language. So you recommend just using all of them in one statement when you apologize. Do you think that really works? Because if that works, then what is really the point of knowing the other person's apology language? 
Right. We do find that using all five works, um, but it can be overkill for a very small offense, right? I mean, if if I bump into you, um, make you accidentally spill your coffee, I probably don't need to use all five apology languages. But when we find it's very important is if you don't know their apology language or if it's a, a group of people, so you want to use all five. Also, if two things are true, if the mistake you made is either very serious or if it's a habit, it's been repeated, then most likely that person is going to want to hear something more than your reflexive, I'm sorry, or whatever you usually say. They're going to be looking to hear either all five or at least make sure you don't leave out their primary apology language. Otherwise, they may not pick up how sincere you are. I see. So what to do if you have apologized to a person and perhaps used all of these languages and the person is still upset? Well, I do often get this question. It's usually coming from people who are new to our concept and they say, Jennifer, I've tried everything and I'm still not able to resolve the problem with this person. And my heart goes out to them because I know one of the most painful things that we ever experience is being misunderstood or feeling like we can't resolve a miscommunication with someone. And so I tell them, take heart, listen, read my materials, and you may find that where you thought you had tried everything, what you've actually been trying is your apology language over and over. And so I encourage them to look and to make sure that they have used all five. And then I also say, if you've been using only words, try a different medium. Like if they wouldn't be triggered by getting a note from you, then write them a note with all five apology languages in it. And maybe try to begin and or end with some words about why you value them, why you want to get things resolved, your commitment to them. And then also somewhere in there, I would, I would invite them to let you know what else it is that they want to either hear from you or see from you. And I want to interject here and say it's very important that we not demand forgiveness on the spot, right? If I have messed up and I'm asking for forgiveness... I need to allow that person time to think about it and also to watch me and to see if my actions have changed. Because as we know, actions speak louder than words. So they will want to take a look and see if my actions are backing up the promises that I'm making. And if they, if they align, then over time, trust will be rebuilt. Well, and sometimes I think it takes people time to heal maybe from the offense and not giving up on their relationship and trying again probably would help too. Yes, great points. Okay, well, then I have another question. So we have talked about the apology process for an individual, but let's talk about leaders or public figures. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a position of leadership, a public apology can be a risky move because it impacts your public persona, it impacts the goals of the organization that you represent, and sometimes it can be perceived as a sign of weakness. So what is a successful apology for a leader or a public figure? Yeah, I think it's so important for our leaders to model apologies for us. Some people have the misconception that if you apologize, you're showing too much weakness. 
But I invite people to think about the leaders who you really respect. And chances are that it is someone who doesn't apologize all the time or doesn't apologize unless they need to. We call that over-apologizing if you apologize kind of just for living. But think of the leader who waits and then gives a sincere apology when they or their organization have really made, clearly made a mistake. And in that case, those are usually leaders who we respect quite a bit because they say, hey, I'm not going to try to cover this up or pull the rug over this area. I'm here to acknowledge that we didn't live up to the mission of our organization and we want to make things right and here are the steps we're going to take. And I would encourage any leader after they've drafted their apology, if they have it written down, to run it through the lens or the filter of our five apology languages and to make sure that they've used all five because I want them to have a 100% chance of saying something that's going to be music to the ears of each listener. Can you give us an example? Yes. So... We often hear apologies like in the sports world or sometimes from corporate leaders. Also, politicians give a lot of apologies because they want to go back and clean up their record for things that they've done wrong. Thinking of an example I could just create using all five. So a scenario might be that a company made a promise to provide X number of products to their customers and they did not meet the deadline and there's a big backup and they it, they hadn't said, we hoped you'll have the product in hand. They made a promise that it would be there and it's not. And so that leader, this would be a script for them. They could say first to our customers, I am so sorry for this product not being in your hands. And I want to acknowledge the bad feelings that this is causing and the discomfort or inconvenience or worry that this is causing you. And then number two, I want to accept full responsibility for our failure to meet the deadline. The buck stops with me and I'm not going to apologize and then say, but it was this person's fault or that person's fault. I was wrong in having promised the product by this deadline and I should not have made that promise and it was clearly my mistake. Then going to number three, making amends or making restitution. Here is what we have already put in place to make our customers whole. So this is how we're speeding up production and to make up for it because we value our customers, we're going to throw in this bonus as well for you. Then moving on to the fourth apology language, which is genuinely repenting. This is where we let the people know that we're changing things so this won't keep happening again. So they would include some kind of a promise about actual steps that are being taken to improve the process so that the predictions of when things will arrive will be met. And finally, the request for forgiveness. So saying, we value you, our customers. I can't even tell you how much. And I hope with time that you can find it in your heart to forgive me and my organization. 
I think this is a wonderful model, and I hope that it will be very beneficial to all the listeners. Do you think this is the same model that is applicable to political leaders of how they should issue apologies? We do. Gary Chapman and I have found that these five apology languages are are universal. They apply for personal relationships as well as any kind of a public relations situation. And I do some consulting with public relations firms to help them craft complete apologies that cover all five and then to go back and to weed out any words like but or any minimizing words that are going to detract from the message and create a non-apology. Well, this is very, very insightful. Um, We're going to post a link to Amazon where our listeners can order your book, When Sorry Isn't Enough. I'm sure they will be very interested to read it. So for your readers, what do you feel should be the biggest takeaway? What do you hope is the biggest takeaway that they can glean after reading the book? My hope is that they will be ready to go and to give an unqualified apology and to do it not with the script from their own childhood, but with really trying to match up the apology they're giving with what the recipient has been waiting to hear. I think this is a very important, the art of apology is very important, not only in our personal lives, but I feel like our society could really benefit from this (laughs) in the state we are right now. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And what my hope is, is that as people use these steps and apologize more readily and feel more confident about how they're doing it, that they'll find that the relationships they thought they couldn't restore are actually being repaired and that they'll enjoy that peace and fun that can come back to some relationships that have become awkward. Thank you very much for being on this podcast with us, and I wish you the very best in your work. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I feel the conversation with Dr. Jen in this and the previous episode has set me on a good path towards improving the way I apologize to people. Now that I have identified my apology language through the test on Dr. Jen's website, I look forward to learning the apology language of my loved ones and more in-depth insight from her book on how to practice these languages in my personal and professional life. I hope you too have learned something in this episode. If you enjoyed this show, subscribe to this podcast and uh, to get the updates on the newest episodes, you can also subscribe on our website, rfwma.org slash forward podcast. You can shoot me an email, podcast at rfwma.org. Check the show notes for the links to Dr. Jen's website to learn more about her and by all means, order the book. I think it's well worth it. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Limitless Spirit with Helen Todd, produced by World Missions Alliance. Are you ready to step out of your comfort zone? Do you have a passion to help people and share your faith across the globe? Visit our website, rfwma.org, and get involved in the Great Commission through short-term missions. We hope you'll leave a review and check out other episodes. We'll be with you in a week on our next episode of Limitless Spirit.